And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another episode of the Doing the Work podcast. As tonight, we have a special guest, Austin Rinder. Many of, you, many of you may have heard Austin before as he is the play-by-play voice for the IU women's basketball team on radio, and we're looking forward to chatting with him about the IU women this evening. I'm your host, Jeff Marlowe, here with my co-host, Kathy Amos, of Doing the Work, the Doing the Work podcast, the new show on the Back Home Network dedicated to covering IU women's basketball. As we do most shows, we start our show with our banner moment. Tonight's banner moment occurred on July 13th when incoming IU freshman Yarden Garzon led her Israeli national team to the bronze medal in the FIBA Under-20 Women's European Championship B Division. In the bronze medal game, Yarden had 25 points, 14 rebounds, dished out six assists and snagged four steals in 39 minutes of an 82-64 victory over Slovenia. And for the tournament, IU fans, I think you're going to like this kid, this young lady. Garzana averaged 20 a game on 54% shooting, 45% from deep, and 70% at the free throw line. She also has 7.3 rebounds, 3.8 assists, and 2.7 steals. She was first in the tournament in efficiency rating and the second leading scorer in the tournament. And so, again, our banner moment is the performance by Yarden Garzan in the European Under-20 Women's B Division bronze medal game. Our banner moment is sponsored by Homefield Apparel. Homefield has recently come out with an awards program. Yep, the more you buy with Homefield, the more you can move up and get extra perks like free shipping and points to use for future purchases. They're constantly coming out with new schools, such as the latest release was Kansas State. So if you want some Wildcat gear, go to Homefield Apparel. So whether you want IU gear or other college teams, Homefield probably has something to do. They even have stickers now for you to purchase. Go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, to to get 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, for 15% off. And once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. And I'd be remiss, Kathy, if I didn't talk a little bit about the other two international players we have coming in. Uh, Henna Sandvik led Finland to an eighth place finish in the A division. She scored 13 points a game, uh, 8.1 rebounds and 1.3 assists, 50% from the field and 71% at the free throw line. And Mona Zarek led Serbia to a seventh place finish, averaging 8.3 reba- uh, points and 2.9 rebounds and and one steal a game as she shot 42% from the field and 83% from the line. So Kathy, I'll kind of throw it to you. Any opening thoughts here with the Amos angle? No, Jeff, um, you stole all of mine. I was going to follow up uh, (laughs) the Garzon news with uh, Mona and Henna as well. Yeah, I mean, it's really exciting to finally get some some information coming out of the U-20 European Championship. And I think these um, three ladies, especially Garzon, I'm I'm super excited about, and I'm sure we'll get more into them here with Austin later in in our uh, discussion here. But, um, boy, that that looked really fun. And, you know, especially um, reading uh, Garzon's numbers just uh, makes me giddy for how deep our team is going to be next year at least what what we're thinking of so far so no I'll just echo what you have I think um you know we were uh we were just really excited when when uh when they signed and I think Mona is actually coming back right she was a freshman last year for us so um so this will be Mona's sophomore year and it looks like she put up some some nice points there uh, for example when they played Ireland she put up 20 points uh, in that game so uh, it's just really exciting to have them getting some really great experience um, internationally and bringing that back to, to Blooming to help us next year. 
Yeah, I, and I think it's I, I like the idea that those kids are getting. I thought that was one of the things that really helped uh, Alexa Golbay over the course of her career was some of that international experience. So I really liked that. I thought it helped Grace Berger's game last year when she was coming off that summer, having spent with the the a, uh, USA team as well. So, uh, but let's not take any more time. Let's get to our special guest that we're excited to have as part of the Doing the Work podcast here tonight, and that's Austin Render. And Austin. I'll just give you a chance to introduce yourself and kind of maybe give a brief bio of how you got to be the IU women's basketball uh, radio voice. Well, first off, thanks for having me. Uh, this this is exciting. Always love finding a way to talk basketball, even when we're in the middle of July. So uh, this this is fun. Uh, yeah, this will be my second year on the job. Uh, covered the team throughout my four years uh, as a student as well. So I'm pretty familiar with the team for the last six years or so, and I mean, what a, what a first year to to jump in and be a part of the action. Last year was a ton of fun. Obviously, ran into a, a buzzsaw there in the Sweet Sixteen. But now I graduated from IU last year, took over the job. I also do IU baseball as well, and uh, it was just a great, great first year. And and I just just from even the things you guys are talking about here, the first few minutes combined with so many other things, there's so much excitement around this program, and I think. The fact that the men's and the women's teams are both so highly thought of going into this year, I think, is going to make for a very, very fun winter. And uh, uh, we need that stuff around here in Indiana because winter can kind of stink if you don't have good basketball. And uh, we got plenty of it. So uh, super excited for year two. So, Austin, I'll just quick follow up to that for me, and I'll let Kathy ask a question, too. But uh, did you always know, for example, that you wanted to kind of get into sports journalism? I mean, is this something you came to IU thinking you wanted to do? Yeah, I, I did it for four years in high school. Um, got started as a freshman in high school doing football and women's basketball. Um, and I, I guess my, this is the, the story I always tell is that my mom has this either kindergarten or first grade, like get to know you sheet from the first day of school. And on the bottom, the last question is, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I wrote sports broadcaster. I don't know how I knew that when I was six years old, but uh here, here we are. So I guess it's a it's a lifelong dream that I'm getting to live. And so, yeah, I, I've kind of known for a long time since throwing footballs and basketballs to myself in the yard to whatever it may be, announcing video games that this is where I wanted to be. And so extremely happy not only to do it, but to do it for uh, for the college that I've grown up watching and rooting for and, and now get to be kind of a part of the team. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Um, I don't know that there's hardly anybody out in the world that can say when they were six that they actually <laughs> got to fulfill what they their six year old selves thought. Most they people are writing astronaut or, or uh, president, <laughs> something like that <laughs> down there. <laughs> I, I couldn't even tell you what I said, but you know, for me, Austin, I'm really excited to talk to you. I kind of mentioned this to you on Twitter. If people ask me if I could go back in time and do my career over again, what would I do? And I always say probably something in sports, specifically sports media. So um, I'm a little jealous of you getting to live out my. Um, 46 year old dream as opposed to my <laughs> six year old dream. So I'm really excited for you to be on. But for me, I'm kind of curious. Uh, baseball and women's basketball are, are quite a bit different in terms of broadcasting. Which do you prefer? Do you have a preference between the two and in, in the games you call? I've always been a basketball kid growing up. I mean, you grow up in Indiana, it's hard not to be. Uh, I know that's cliche, but it just, you grow up. I grew up in a, a household where we didn't miss an IU basketball game. It, it just didn't. It was grandparents, uncle, aunts, everybody, you're watching every game. So I just grew up doing that. It was probably my second best sport growing up. I wasn't very athletic, so that's not saying a whole lot. 
but uh, I played basketball the longest of, of most sports. And so I think it's just, that's a sport that I relate to. It's a sport that I'm very interested in, but baseball, I, I never did it in high school because I was a golfer. So the seasons conflicted and I went out to the Cape and did the Cape summer league, uh, in 2019 and no, 2018. Nope, 2019. I had it right. 2019. And, and that you just you can't go out there for a summer and not fall in love with the sport. So that has really and, and this Indiana team has been fun to follow as well the past couple of years with Coach Mercer. So it, it's definitely not that I'm I'm not enjoying the baseball by any means, but I will always be partial to basketball and, and just what I've grown up with and a sport that I just think is so much fun because it's it's nonstop action. It's back and forth. You can have stretches there of five six minutes where a whistle doesn't even blow and you're just going back and forth and, and it's our job to, to bring that action. And I, I find that fun. You get to lay out your inner auctioneer at times uh, when things like that happen. So I, I'm a big, big fan of basketball and just love, love the sport, love watching it and and just love the unpredictability of it. And Austin, for our listeners, I think uh, Galen Clavio told me that you uh, grew up in Fort Wayne area. Yes. Yep. Fort Wayne went to Homestead High School uh, for four years there. Fortunate enough to uh, to have broadcast a couple of state championships there and uh, some really, really good players on both the, the guys and the girls side. Was that um, was that a student TV, student radio? How was was that a class? How did that work for you? Yeah, it was student radio. Uh, so I joined a, a sports radio broadcast class um, as a freshman or sophomore. I did some TV stuff and they've actually grown their program a lot since I left. Uh, they now do TV broadcasts of, of their sports. Uh, we, all we had on the TV side while I was there was news. Um, and there was a little sports segment that I would do. But yeah, I did radio for four years there, starting with football women's basketball, and then jumped on to men's basketball starting uh, as a sophomore. Kathy? Yeah, I, I don't have any follow-up. can jump right into some of the planned ones and go from there. Do you want me to just kind of start us off? Yep, go ahead. Um, so let's talk maybe about the, the team um, itself. Uh, so do you have any expectations or predictions for the upcoming season? And we always caveat this with, we know it's July 19th. So <laughs> if you want to make a prediction, um, we absolutely won't call you out on it in like January. So, so feel pretty safe doing it. <laughs> I won't go any like grand proclamations that they're going to the final four winning the big 10 or anything. But I mean, this is a, this is a top 15 top 10 team again. I mean, I think Terry Moran's at the point now where it, it's not a rebuild, it's a reload. And obviously the huge news getting, not news, but huge getting Mackenzie Holmes and Grace Berger back for another year. That's helpful because obviously you could bring anybody around that two-person foundation and you're going to have a pretty darn good team. I think the evolution of a Chloe Moore McNeil last season is going to be really important if she can keep that going here into this year. And then the reload part of it is, what do you do when you lose three starters? Well, you go get a former Indiana Miss basketball and you get a second team all Big Ten scorer who had her best season of her career last year in Sarah Scalia. So it's just it's crazy to me. Like you just you knew they were gonna have to hit the transfer market uh and fill some of these holes, and they didn't waste any time and, and they got some really, really good ladies to come in here and fill those spots. And I, I think it's super exciting. And that's not even to mention 
the freshman class, which is, I think, going to be very, very talented. Um, I know some of them, because they've been in this U-20 FIBA event, have not been able to be here yet and kind of be a part of the off-season training. But obviously, like you guys said, that's great experience to play that international basketball. Uh, excited to get them all here, though, and kind of see how the team starts to gel together. But there's a there's a lot of promise, um, not only with the returners, but with these freshmen. So, I mean, to me, they're going to be a preseason top 15 team. They might even be, I would imagine, the probably preseason number two in the Big Ten, I, th- I would think, behind Iowa. Um, just because of the Caitlin Clark effect. But I will say there's, and especially for those returning, there's not there's not good blood there between Indiana and Iowa. So, uh, you know, this team wants, they'll, they'll take that chip on their shoulder if they're two behind Iowa uh, and they get to play them twice this year. So that will be awesome again. And uh, yeah, I expect them to be right in the mix for the Big Ten title yet again this year. And Austin, as somebody who is around the program a little bit more than Kathy and I, is there anybody that you're looking for? You mentioned Chloe Moore McNeil, and I thought I agree with you. I thought Chloe did made a big jump, especially in the second half of the season last year. Is there any of the returners uh, that you think could possibly do something similar to what Chloe did that we that from last year? The one that comes to mind for me is Caitlin Peterson. This is one that I kind of think could make that jump. Is there maybe somebody else you would have in mind? That's who I was going to point to. I, I really think there was a lot there for her when she would get her opportunities late in games. And obviously you've got your freshman things with turnovers and fouls and that kind of stuff happens and you iron it out as you play more. But I just thought her athleticism was there. I thought her her speed up and down the floor was could really cause teams some issues. And she can shoot the basketball. She didn't get a ton of opportunities in game, but just watching her and shoot around to practice, she can really shoot the ball. So I think if you give her that opportunity, not that she's going to be in the starting five, but she might be able to, like you said, kind of be more like a sixth or seventh woman off the bench and give Indiana's point guards, give the, the Scalias and the Burgers an opportunity to, to take a break. And I think, personally, I think that's so important this season, I think as good as the starting five was last year and as much as you could ride them as much as you wanted to, I don't think it helped Indiana down the road, especially when they had the COVID pause and then all these games thrown on them at once, that they had all these starters averaging 35-plus minutes. It would be great to see that, in the some at least some of them in the low 30s and giving them some breathers. That way they're fresh in the fourth quarter. That way they're fresh in March. And that way, hopefully, later in the season, they will reap the benefits of that. And so in order to do that, you have to have a bench. And I think Caitlin Peterson, I think that's a great name to throw out there. She's one that could certainly have an impact. So in my back. Yeah. (laughs) We lose Kathy. Yeah, I think they probably knocked my inner head out just for a little bit. I got a little tired. <laughs> I've never seen you. I've never also I've just we've done this for almost you know nine months or so. I've never had two of Kathy in the studio at once. So I was, <laughs> oh, uh, and in in my world, I was nowhere in the studio. So yeah, you got my alternate ego, I guess. So, um, so I think I heard most of that. You were talking about Caitlin Peterson, which I think um, Jeff and I would echo. So. Uh, let me kind of flip that around, Austin, in terms of newcomers, whether transfers or freshmen. Mm-hmm. Um, who is the one person you're most excited to see come into the team? Well, I think the easy answer is Sarah Scalia and, and the way that, I mean, I think she's just going to fit in seamlessly to this offense. I mean, you're talking about 
just listen. And I know I'm reading off a bio here, but just listen to what she did at Minnesota. First in career free throw percentage, fifth in career minutes, seventh in career three point percentage, seventh in career made threes, ninth in scoring average, 19th in total points. I mean, she was a do it all player at Minnesota and she's coming off a career high 18 points per game. She was a 41% three point shooter a year ago. I just, it's hard to imagine that that doesn't work. I I think Grace Berger is such a good piece that you can put almost anybody with because of the way that she plays. She can play with the ball in her hands and she can play off the ball. She can facilitate and she can score. She can play with anybody because she is such an adaptive style of offense. I think she's going to work really, really well with Sarah Scalia. But I mean, I mean, you can't look past. Uh, Yard and Garzone either. I mean, you're seeing what she's doing in the FIBA and, and what she has kind of been touted to do. But there's also a little bit of mystery there. When you go out and get somebody from Israel, there's a little bit of like, I mean, from what I've heard, they're very excited about getting her in the program. But for those of us who haven't seen her play, who don't get to fly out to Israel and, and go on recruiting visits, um, there, there's some mystery there. And I think that's fun too. You've got a couple international recruits at you're going to get your first look at here in the fall and, and see what they do with the team. But I think Sarah Scali is the easy choice of, gosh, she's just going to fit in beautifully with this team. And it's going to be really fun to watch. I mean, you talk about a three-headed monster of Scalia, Holmes, and Berger. And that's as good as as anybody will have in the Big Ten. That's, that's as good as a Caitlin Clark, Monica Sinano uh, two-man punch. Nice. Yeah, it, it, the Israel thing is interesting, right? Because you never know how that's going to translate to mm-hmm. the Big Ten play. And and it took like Alexa quite a while to adjust. So I, I would I would definitely put that out there to fans is like, look, it, it might take a little bit because the, the style of basketball is so different. I talked with Alexa a lot about that in her freshman and sophomore years, and she just said it's such a different way of playing. There's so much more motion uh, it's so much freer, she said, over in, overseas versus here. There's a lot more ISO. There's a lot one-on-one play. Um, it, it's officiated differently. I think that's something that will probably take these women a little bit of time to figure out how the game is officiated here in the Big Ten versus in a FIBA International or in Israel or something like that. So that's not to say they can't be to where Gulbe and beyond got to but it might take them a little bit of time because there is such a, a gap between the international and, and the United States way of playing basketball. And, and Austin, I kind of want to follow up on that a little bit. And that's just, you know, you mentioned Sarah, Sarah Scalia, especially, and, and just kind of how these are going to fit in. Kathy and I've talked quite a bit about this in the few podcasts this summer, or since the end of the season, you're around the team more, and, and I really am interested in this question. Somebody who spent 16 years as a varsity, or excuse me, 17 years as a varsity coach, and another eight years as an assistant in Indiana. Do you think Terry Moore is going to? I hate to use the word sacrifice, but this has been such a good defensive team the last two, three years. Are they going to give up maybe a little bit on the defensive end now with these kids coming in who have a little more firepower maybe than what she's had in the past? Do you see more, maybe a little more tempo being played, or as I like to use the word pace being played uh, than maybe we've seen the last two, three years? Well, I think it can be both. I think they want more pace. They wanted that going into this past year and they didn't necessarily get it. They, from everything that I talked to, to coach Moore about, 
preseason last year was we got to score more. I mean, we have to put more points on the board. And I think as the season just kind of started getting going, you realize this team's going to hang its hat on defense. And they've got scores, and they can go and score, but they just didn't have uh, that, like you said, the pace. I think they want more of that, but I also think they a Terry Moore and team will always hang its hat on defense, and I don't think that will ever change. I know I was reading a little bit on the freshmen this week, and uh, they, they, a lot of them have, have talked about how – Lily Meister, for example, said that she, as she kind of went through the recruiting process and realized, gosh, this team is so like defensive-oriented, I got to get better at defense. And her high school coach has told her the same thing. And I, I think you're just going to get that from anybody who comes into this Indiana program. It's, man, I got to be – in order to play, I got to be a defender. And I think that's how Terry Morin views it. If you want minutes, you've got to be able to defend. And I think that was a little bit of Caitlin Peterson's issue a year ago. She fouled a lot, wasn't really great one-on-one defensively. I would imagine an off-season of the program is going to really help that. And so to answer your question, I think they could – see more pace they want to run that's always been something that terry morin has said but the defense starts that it's steals it's bad shots it's long rebounds and then they can take off and go the other way spread the floor be a three-point shooting team that's an area i think they could improve upon is the three-point shooting the past couple of years that's been a really hot and cold category for them and they haven't had a whole lot of consistency there. Maybe Grace Berger steps out, takes a few more of those. I would assume Mackenzie Holmes will continue to do that. And I think Sarah Scalia is going to be their best three-point shooter. Can they spread the floor a little bit and transition and get some quick buckets before a lot of other very good defensive teams in the Big Ten get set? I think is a very important question. But the long, the short answer to a long answer is I think they will always be a defensive-oriented team. Yeah, I think that's kind of what Jeff and I have been uh, speculating as well this whole summer, too. So that's yeah. that's great. We're kind of on the same page. So one one more question um, regarding the, the incoming freshmen. And this one actually came from one of our listeners um, um, on Twitter, Phil Samuels. And he wanted to know if you think, will Garzon emerge as a starter by the end of the season? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a good question. I, I don't know yet. Like I said, I haven't seen most of these. I haven't seen any of the freshmen in person yet. Um, I mean, just from what you see coming out from Garzona and what she's done, I mean, you certainly can't say that it's not possible. Um, I would say you've got a three-headed monster that's pretty certain to start in Scalia, Berger, and Holmes. And then you've got, I would say, Sydney Parrish could kind of slide in there at a guard. Um, and Chloe Moore McNeil could slide in there at a guard and maybe they play four guards around McKenzie. If they are looking for a true four, then that's where they might have to kind of look and, and find something. But Garzone is so unique because she's a six foot two guard who can do so many different things. She shoots the ball. Well, she rebounds the ball. Well, she can run the point if you need her to do that. So I think she's going to have a spot and a role on this team. The problem in terms of trying to get into a starting role is you've got Berger, Scalia, Parrish already there. But I don't think that's a bad thing for her to be. The, if you've got a really talented freshman as your sixth woman, that's a pretty good spot to be. Maybe she's playing alongside Chloe Moore McNeil in that second unit, and that could be a really good and comfortable spot for her as well. So I, I would I would venture to say no, 
But again, I haven't seen any of these freshmen yet. So maybe when I go watch some practices, she'll pop off, pop off the screen and just be like, oh, okay, there's something special here. But I would venture to say with the veteran experienced guards that they have, I'd say there's four of them probably ahead of Garzone right now. She'll have a tough time cracking that starting lineup. And Terry Morin's not one to change her starting lineup too much. Once she finds a good one, she'll typically stick with it. Um, and I think that's just for the routine. And so everybody knows what's going on. So I would imagine she will come off the bench for most of, if not the entirety of the year. And so do you get access to summer workouts, Austin? Or, or have you had a chance to see any this summer so far? I haven't gone this summer. It's kind of been like with the FIBA. Um, some people are out there. There's some recovering from injuries and, and just doing things like off seasons typically are. So I, I haven't. I, I'm planning on once fall workouts start to, to start to get there uh, much more frequently. But it's a lot of individual stuff right now because um, the coaches are out recruiting. They're doing all that stuff. So it's, it's a little bit mismashy during the summer. Um, it's good for the players that are able to be there. I know Sarah Scalia has been there a little bit. Uh, City Parish has been around, which is good for them to kind of get their feet wet in the program. But I have not made it over there yet. Do you do you know, um, we know the two international freshmen haven't made it over, but do you know about the other freshmen if they're on campus yet? I don't like I, I want I don't want to say for sure. I believe they are. I know Lexi is still working back from that ACL. Um, she was able to run track this spring, um, but I would assume there's still some lingering recovery there for her. And so to me, she's probably here getting treatment and rehab and recovery on that with the Indiana health and strength programs. Um, Meister, I don't know. I have not heard. I would assume she's she's been here. I saw a video on Twitter of them all getting into their dorms or whatever it was with the coaches. So, which was funny to see Allie Patberg still in the video as a coach. And it took me a second to be like, wait a minute, she's still, she come back for her eighth year, but I then forgot that she was, she's now on the coaching staff. But I, I, I do believe the two American freshmen have at least been here at some point during the summer. And, all, and, and our workaholics here in the chat, Austin, uh, Denny's like says, I heard a rumor that one of the freshmen will redshirt. And I, I've kind of wondered that a little bit about Lexi Bargasser just because of that knee injury. I wouldn't be surprised. That's, no. that's typically something that has happened each year over the past couple of years. Um, I mean, you look back at it. Terry Morin has not been quick to rush freshmen into things. Um, I mean, you have to go all the way back to probably the Jalen Penn, Ben Duyaney bunch where they played uh, all the time as freshmen. Uh, but even Grace Berger didn't play a whole lot as a freshman. She was off the bench, uh, made her impact there. Um, and I, I would imagine and Mackenzie Holmes was was really solid as a freshman. But it just I, I think you'll see a couple of these freshmen shine in a bench role. And you'll probably see a couple of them where the coaching staff says, you know what, you could really benefit off of a year of, of a year kind of playing with these ladies in practice, but not necessarily wait, not wasting, but using a year of your eligibility. So I would not be shocked. I don't know if it'll be Vargas or because of the injury or who it will be, would not be shocked if one, if not two, are potentially redshirt. 
that that would make a lot of sense. Um, Jeff, did you have anything else you wanted to ask about the incoming team? I just would follow up with, with uh, or maybe I, Austin hasn't seen him, but the one that intrigues me is Lily Meister. I, I think that, now again, I, th- I agree with Austin. I think she's possibly a kid that's in year th- two, maybe three before you really see a huge contribution from her. But I, what I've seen on video, I really like her game. She just needs to work on getting stronger and probably better conditioned. But when you watch yeah. her in the video and hopefully could carry that over to the college game, I, that, that's a kid that I think down the line is going to be a really solid four-year, two, two to three-year starter for us. She said as she was going through the recruiting process that she was doing a lot of studying of Alexa and, and kind of the way that she played yeah. the four. And Jeremy Price had a, a good article in the Herald Times about Lily Meister and, and about they mentioned the thing about the defense. And it also mentioned that she had an AAU uh, game in Grand Park and Mackenzie Holmes and Kendra Brown were there watching her, yeah. uh, which, which is super cool. And that does not shock me about either one of those women that they would go and watch and support her. Um, but uh, yeah, I think she's, if, if she could slide, I mean, the thing that she has going for her is that's a spot that the, different than guard zone and the guards. And the fact that this team will have guards again, but there's an opening, whether it's Kendra Brown, whether it's Lily Meister, whether they go four guards around homes, there's going to be that four spot is going to be open for competition and I'll be very curious to see who kind of takes that and runs with it. I mean, obviously, you've also got to mention uh, Alyssa Geary from Providence, another yeah. one that could potentially come in. She's 6'4". That's huge. This team has not had a ton of height over the past couple of seasons. If you think back to it, that's why Garzone, I think, is going to be so – not to take us back to the Garzone topic, but why she's going to be so important is because – at times, Indiana's guards have been a little undersized. Uh, yeah. And you saw that a little bit in the UConn game this year. And, and as good as Nicole Cardania Hillary is, and as good of a defender as she is, she's, she was smaller. And I think you look back, the comparison for the men's crowd would be that 2013 uh, men's team that lost to Syracuse that had Oladipo and Holes, and then they matched up with a team that had all these long, lanky guards in yeah. Syracuse. So it'll be fun to see some taller players, some taller guards get involved as well. I think size is going to be really important, especially as you kind of go against the Sonanos of the world uh, around the Big Ten. Yeah, I, I we we've I think so. I think we um, always get this question. It seems like a lot. So we're going. I'm going to pose it to you as well. Um, so I think we got four of your starting five. If you're going to pick your your starting five, um, so right, we got Grace, we got Sarah Scalia. Um, we got uh, Mackenzie Holmes, obviously, and then Sydney Parrish. Who are you slotting in a fifth spot? And that's yeah, and that's that's the one I don't know yet. I, yeah. I it, it's hard because will it be? Could it be Geary? Um, yeah. Could it be that seems like the that'd be the easiest one in terms of hey, she's played four years of college basketball. Um, she's not new to this. She knows what she's doing. Um, I don't expect it to be a freshman, but do you go with a Chloe and go with that four guard lineup that they used a ton because of the Holmes injury last year? They went to that four guard lineup for the majority of the second half of Big Ten play all the time, where it was Allie and and Nikki and Grace and Chloe around Ghoul Bay or recovering Holmes. And I would not be shocked if it's a more McNeil 
Parrish, Scalia, Berger, four-guard lineup. Now, I don't know if they'll start that, but we will see that lineup a lot, I think, as the year goes on. If I had to guess, Geary seems like the one that would easily slide in for day one, but this could be one of those years where the day one lineup doesn't, even as, as much as like by December 1st when they play North Carolina, it, it might be a completely different lineup. So if I had to right now, I'd probably say Geary, but I'll be very interested to see how that goes. Yeah. That's been kind of sliding in there too, but yeah, it's pure speculation. I think she's kind of the forgotten one because you've got the Miss Indiana of Sydney Parrish. You've got the second team, all big tenor and Sarah Scalia, but you kind of forget Geary was the first one. She was the first one to announce that she's transferring and she's had a very solid career. She's not going to light it up like Mackenzie Holmes, but she can be a very necessary role player for this team. Yeah. Well, and I would say, Austin, I, I, the four guard lineup tr- intrigues me because if it goes that way, I see Grace Berger being the pri- the primary, not the only, but kind of the primary ball handler. And I would, but also you could have Scalia do a little bit of initiating yeah. offense. You could have Sydney Parrish initiating. You could pull a Garzon or a Chloe Moore McNeil off the yeah. bench in that scenario. I think they can them. all do the. They that's something that Terry has really wanted is a multitude of options at point guard. That's uh, uh, I was getting where I was going to. Yeah. Sorry, didn't mean to jump you on that. No, but that, no, I wanted to ask you your thoughts on that. If that, because I wanted to ask your thoughts about the multiple point guard type. Yeah, idea. that was that was an emphasis last year because obviously Nicole was the primary ball handler, but Allie could could control the basketball, Grace could control the basketball, Chloe could control the basketball, and that was so important because if you had Nicole on the defensive end locking down, or even Allie for that matter, because she was great defensively last year too. And they're spending all their energy on the defensive side of the floor. You don't really want them to have to handle the ball all the time on the offensive side of the floor. I also think that it will benefit Grace to be more of a ball handler this year for two reasons. A, I just think that's the way she's best suited to play. Ball's in her hand. Go make a play. You don't have to look back too far. The second to last game of the year, that's how they win some of these close games against Princeton, against Purdue. Hey, give Grace Berger the ball and let her go make a play. I think the more they can do that, the more that's going to help her. And it's going to help her if she if she has those aspirations for the next level. I think to show, I think the two things she's got to do is show a little bit out outside shooting, and she's got to be a little bit more ball hand oriented. I think she's been really good facilitating when she's had those opportunities, but I think she's got to show a little bit more assertiveness this year with the ball in her hand, making some one on one plays. I, I, I'm telling you, as good as she was last year, I think there's another level for Grace Berger, and it will be very intriguing if she can unlock that. But to answer your question, I think it's huge for this team to have that many options because everybody can kind of spread the floor. You can put somebody on a defensive assignment and not have to worry about them guarding the best player and then being guarded by the best player and having to take care of the ball. They're going to have some options. Yeah, I, you know what, I'm just excited about the fact that we can, you know, talk about who might be in our starting lineup and have legitimately Mm -hmm. different lineups that could all be um, contenders, you know, I mean, it's been a while, I think that's some of the things Jeff and I talked about a lot last year in our show was just the lack of depth that we thought was really something that hurt this team. Uh, Well, it was, they only had 11 people on the entire team by the end of the year, and and 
there were spells of COVID, there were spells of injury, and and it just felt like there were some games where you've got nine players, eight players, yeah. and it's like, all right, go see what you can do. Yeah. And and they battled through all of that, but it will be nice if they can have and they're not going to go 14 deep. I can tell you that now, but if they can go eight or nine deep, I mean, last year they were really a seven deep team yeah. where that seventh was either Brown or Wagner and maybe eight. If they both got a couple of minutes, it'd be great to see them go eight or nine consistently where there's some impact off the bench. Cause there were games last year where the bench scored zero points. Yeah. And that that's just never going to get it done. You have to have something off the bench because whether it's production or not, these starters can't play 38 minutes every game. If Grace Berger's playing 38 minutes every game, she might tell you she can do it, and I'm sure she can, but it's going to be better for the team in the long run if she's rested and ready to go for the late season run. Yeah, totally agree. Um, okay, so switching away from the team, unless, Jeff, you had any other follow-ups? No, no, I'm good. All right. So we're kind of curious. Um, tell us a little bit how you do your prep for each game. Yeah. So I, um, I have, I, I do basketball. I do online. Uh, I'm, I love handwriting, but basketball can be a lot. And with, with quick game turnarounds, I just try to keep it all. I have, I have a couple of Google sheets um, for each team. Each player has a little section and I have probably have some in my room if you really wanted me to go grab it. But uh, it, it's, um, it's it's cool. I, I really like prep. And that's that's one of the things that I really enjoy about this job is like the satisfaction of when I have a board done, looking at it and just being like, this looks really good. And and I've made a lot of changes. I mean, if I and I think I still have some back at my house in Fort Wayne, but some of the boards that I used in high school, it's just like and, and obviously there's a lot less data and stats and all that stuff for high school, but it's like, gosh, man, how far I've come in, in the last eight years. But uh, prepping is really can be really fun. It can be tedious. It can be monotonous at times. But I try to gather. I have a row of stats for everybody, so I've got that right in front of me. I'm a minimalist. I want everything in front of me. I don't want to have a packet where I'm like, was that on page four? Or was that on page five? Uh, I want it all in front of me. And then I've usually got about six little Excel boxes for um, previous game, career highs, and then like trends. I'm a big trend guy. So I like to know what have you done in your last five games? Um, I typically don't worry about it if it's like if they average 8.8 points per game. And over the last five games, they've averaged nine. I don't really worry about that. But it's when like somebody's a 20 point per game scorer. And their last five games, they've scored six points per game. It's like, yeah, I got to have that in there somewhere. So I'm a huge trend guy. I love to know where a team's going uh, when they play them. I love to know how they've played this team in the past, stuff like that. And uh, I've always, always got my media, my media guide sitting next to me in case something happens, like somebody gets a triple-double, somebody scores 30 points, that kind of thing. When's the last time that happened? Um, and, and our SIDs, Megan does a great job with that stuff as well. So um, that's the kind of stuff that I, I love to have just in case. And yeah, like I, I read Jay Billis's book uh, in the high school, I think. And he said, look, you, you prep and you probably use about 10% of what you prep for, but you don't know what 10% that's going to be. So the fun is just making sure that 10% is somewhere on my board. 
Yeah. So, well, Austin, I, I personally will thank you because um, I don't know if you have listened to Jeff and I with any previous podcasts that we've done, but we do actually do a live post game podcast after almost every game. And I can tell you, I mentioned, I think before we went live that I always stream you instead of the, the TV broadcast. Um, I have used several of your stats many times on our post uh, post game podcast. So I, well, that's I good. That's what they're there for. She always credits you. I do. I love I, that. Austin tells me that <laughs> such and such. So, so, so I appreciate it. So Austin question. I got kind of a two part question. Do you travel mm-hmm. with the team for road games? Yes. Yep. Which and is so, a blast. And then, then you, so you were able to actually go to visiting arenas this past year. I was kind of, that was kind of a second, actually it's kind of a three part question. The second yeah. one, you were able to travel and go to actual arenas this past season. Greg's last year, they did not travel because that was right in the middle of the early stages of the pandemic. Uh, we did the NCAA tournament that year from Bloomington. Um, and then I didn't travel with baseball in 2021, but then we were all, all systems go last year, which, is just okay. such a difference. It's it's so much better. I mean, as much as it annoys you when you're wearing IU on your chest and you're uh, you're in the middle of a, a bunch of Hawkeyes, um, it, it is just you don't like. I wouldn't know that Iowa has the the most annoying fans in the Big Ten if I didn't go to Carver Hawkeye Arena. Now I know. Sorry, Kathy. I know you're from no, Des Moines. I just but, live uh, here. <laughs> she wears red when she goes to Carver Hawkeye. Yeah, there we go. You don't know that stuff until you go. I'm not trying to dominate this one, but then Austin, this kind of goes yeah. into a question that we had. Um, you work alone. Kudos to you for working alone and trying to do a full game by yourself. So are there any plans? And kind of the question was phrased, do you wish, but are there any plans to get an, an analyst, sidekick type person to do the broadcast with you? Or do if you wish are, I don't be? know them. <laughs> if there are plans, they have not been put on my desk yet. I'll do it for free. Uh, yeah, Kathy's available. I mean, I grew up always having a color commentator uh, in high school and in college, so it, it wouldn't bother me by any means. But I, I do – it is nice in the fact that, like, basketball is so fast-paced that I'm not, I'm not trying to kill a whole lot of time. Um, baseball is where it can be, like – and I'm sitting in the booth with my SID. So when I make a joke, I need him to laugh so that I know that there's something happening here. Cause if I make jokes by myself, I can't laugh at myself the whole game, but no, it, it, it really is. I, I thought it would be harder, um, but I really do enjoy it. But that's not to say that if Indiana came to me and said, Hey, Kathy is going to be your color commentator. I'd be like, sure, let's do it. So, um, but yeah, I don't know if there's any plans for that, <laughs> but uh, it, it's, it's easier with basketball for sure. Cause you're just moving back and forth. You're doing your thing. And, and honestly, a lot of the, the, uh, the big 10, uh, as I've gotten to know them and talk to the guys that, that do it for other universities, they're the same way. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so kind of a follow-up, Jeff was asking you if you travel with the team, um, has there been a favorite arena on the road that you've been able to broadcast from? It's a good question. Uh, Not I am guessing. <laughs> I love I love being on the court. So like Ohio State, you're up in a corner, which is annoying. Michigan, you're up in a corner. Um, but like Purdue, I'm on the court. Illinois, I'm on the court. Wisconsin, Iowa. There's still a few I haven't been to. Um, and as I look at the schedule here, I'll get to go to Michigan State, Minnesota, Northwestern, and Penn State for the first time this year. So that'll be fun. Um, Iowa's 
a great atmosphere. I, I, I say they're the most annoying fans from my experience with both baseball and women's basketball, and that's just because they are. Um, but but that doesn't mean the atmosphere is not great. That place is packed. They love their women's basketball, and to me, that's what I want. I want an a home crowd atmosphere. I don't want to go to somewhere. Let's just say, for example, they've been struggling here, Illinois, where there's where there's a smaller crowd. You don't really feel like there's a whole lot going on there. I'd much rather it be in an annoying, obnoxious home crowd because that fuels the game. It's not fun if there's not some sort of hostile crowd one way or another. And hey, our fans, sure, other people probably think they're annoying. I love Assembly Hall. I love our our loyal and, and incredible fan base that we have. Purdue was great. That place was packed and it was rocking. The student section was there. Um, that place was was great. Awesome atmosphere. Michigan's a solid atmosphere. I do like that gym uh, where I sit just a little bit up away from, from the court, but I'm spoiled. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't ever want to go back to Bridgeport, if we're being honest. That place was a dump. But, uh, really? But it, it, well, <laughs> our internet didn't work for like half the game. So, uh, and that, that was all the radio stations had that issue. So yeah, I don't want to go back to Bridgeport, but big 10's got some great places. Uh, Nebraska was great. Uh, really good crowd there. And so when I look at this year's schedule to relate it back to this year's team, there's some positives in the fact that they will not play at Maryland. They will not play at Nebraska and they don't have to make that plane trip out to Rutgers, which I guess they're never going to do because they haven't done that in like four years. <laughs> but they don't have to play at Nebraska, which is a really tough place to play, or Maryland. So that's helpful. Um, and some of their road-only games are, I mean, Northwestern, who doesn't have a whole lot of a home crowd advantage. Same with Minnesota and Penn State. So I'm excited to go to the Breslin Center. I've never been there before. Um, this is a long-winded answer to your question, but – the Big Ten has such great uh, venues and fans, and I, I cannot wait to get this season going again. Yeah. Well, I'll kind of follow up. We already had this question, but it's, it kind of flows right here. So in your tenure, what's been the favorite game that you broadcast? Well, it's hard to look past Princeton. I mean, second round of the NCAA tournament, you get a de facto game winner and a huge defensive stand. Um, that's awesome. The Purdue game was truly incredible. Um, just the home, the home Purdue or the away one, the away Purdue, just yeah. the, the will of that team that was so shorthanded because of COVID and the McKenzie Holmes injury. Yeah. And the fact that they found a way to win that game with all hands on deck was unbelievable. That game was the overtime, awesome. right? Yes. And they're yeah. down like eight points with two minutes to go. And, came back. Those are the two that stand out to me in terms of just awesome games. The environment for Kentucky was top notch. Maryland finally beating them in both the uh, uh, at Assembly Hall and the Big Ten. The entire Big Ten tournament was just an incredible journey. But I think if I had to make a choice, it'd probably be Purdue and Princeton. Those two were just such great, such great games. That's awesome. Um, okay, so transitioning again to just a, one other topic that's been a very hot topic here the last couple of weeks. So with the conference realignment, USC and UCLA joining um, here in a couple of years, how do you think that will impact the women's basketball side of things? 
Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, first off, I get to go to LA, so I'm not going to complain about that. Um, it'd be a little bit worse on the other side of things, having to continually fly east, but I'll fly west one time a year. That's fine. Uh, I would imagine what they'll do is they'll f- a, a team will fly out there, let's say us, for example, and play UCLA on a Thursday and USC on a Saturday kind of thing. Um, but, I mean, UCLA, typically a very good women's basketball program. They've had some really good teams the past few years. I think that's a great addition. I don't know much about USC women's basketball and what they bring to the table, but this was inevitable. And I know the guys um, on all your podcasts have talked about this, that this was inevitable. It was going to happen. I didn't think it would be the LA schools, but you know, it's an arms race between the big 10 and the sec and everybody else is left to scramble. So I think it was going to happen. Now what impact it will have on non football sports is very intriguing. Um, I think even on the baseball side, it's going to really impact things because that's that's a lot of travel for non-revenue sports. Um, that's a that's a, obviously LA is a big airport, but it's just a bit of a hole to get out there. So it will definitely have some ripple effects on the Olympic sports, on the non-revenue sports. Um, but I think women's basketball, it will benefit. I think UCLA is a really nice addition and getting to go out there and play in Pauley Pavilion will, will be exciting as well. Yeah, absolutely. Kathy, got anything else? I'm, I'm pretty much out of questions for all. I've enjoyed this. I mean, I've, we don't want to keep you too much longer. We've been oh, going you guys are good. This minutes, is fun. This has been fun. And Austin, we're going to definitely have to have you back at some point during the season yeah. or whatever. Absolutely. You know, because this has been a lot of fun. Um, but I'm, I don't have any more questions for Austin. Kathy, you got anything you want to ask her? No, I don't have any specific questions. Just, yeah, Austin, if you're ever, you know, bored later and um, after games and whatever, and you want to give us a download and a listen, we'd enjoy your feedback as well. You're a lot closer to the team. And Jeff and I are relatively new to this whole podcasting and uh, doing media, I guess, type things. Like I am not a broadcaster by trade and nor is Jeff. So any kind of comments and feedback you'd have for us, we'd absolutely welcome it. So um, I know we've taken almost an hour of your time, so I don't want to prattle on, but I really do appreciate what you've done in terms of broadcasting this year for the women's basketball program. I think you do a fantastic job. I've mentioned that several times that I I use your quotes quite a bit and I just enjoy listening to you. So I wanted to thank you personally because you make the games a lot more enjoyable for me. So um, appreciate that. Well, I appreciate you guys and and the kind words. And I I think it's awesome what you guys are doing because this team deserves the publish the, the publicity Um, It deserves the recognition. And I think it's great that you guys have this podcast dedicated to this team and we need more of that. And hopefully as, as the success continues to come, the fan base will grow. That's my call is don't let Iowa be the best fan base in the big 10 in terms of attendance. Let's uh, let's up assembly hall a little bit. Let's uh, let's make assembly hall the best place and the toughest place to come play for both the men and the women. Uh, There's already a great loyal fan base that supports this team, but, uh, I know there's more of you out there that are thinking about it. I'm telling you, you will not regret it. These games are really, really fun. And we had that Princeton crowd was unbelievable. And the number, the final number was like eight or 9,000. And I swear it was way more than that. That place was electric. We need more of that. We need, we're going to have North Carolina December 1st. There'll be some other big games in the Big Ten. So 
would be really fun to kind of get some more fans. And I think what you guys are doing is only going to help that. So I appreciate you guys and all the kind words. This has been a lot of fun. I'm, I'm always available. I we appreciate that question. Did you see that, Jeff? From no, Joel? I didn't. I was trying to look at something, but uh, we've got a follow-up challenge from Joel in our chat. He wants to know if you can pronounce the new assistant coach's name. Oh, I did at one point, and now I, I don't. Let me let me look at it I'm off the top of my head here. Um, <laughs> I believe it's uh, Saya Vongchan. Um, I need to double check that though because I'm going to be roasted if i don't have it right um let's see i know i can quickly find this for you but i I had a pronunciation sent to me um but yeah that's uh i think that's another really good addition in this uh yeah off season is is snagging a uh a very very talented assistant coach it's saya vong chan there we go there we go saya vong chan so i was pretty much on it Nice um, yeah, Chan. So we'll, we'll add her to the to the coaching staff. We wish Ashley the best as she heads out to uh, NC State. But uh, but yeah, this is uh, it's going to be an awesome team and uh, a new fun name I get to throw into the broadcast. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Kathy, anything else you want to ask Austin? No, I don't think so. I think I'm fresh out of thoughts. And we will be back sometime in August. We're going to be off next week. So look, uh, watch our Twitter page. And that Twitter, by the way, is at DTWIUWBB, which is short for doing the work IU women's basketball. So again, at DTWIUWBB on Twitter, or you can look at the Assembly Call homepage, uh, community page. We'll make sure everybody knows when our next broadcast is. for this um ac radio is scheduled for their regular show on thursday night at nine eastern eight central my puppy is going nuts in the living room so i'm he's sure excited he's, he's excited for the next show he's excited so uh kathy i'll give you a chance here for last call yeah i kind of stole my own thunder earlier i guess but yeah just austin huge thanks to to you for coming out you know um off season is usually pretty slow but somehow uh, we managed to fill up 55 minutes of of airtime here together tonight so I, I know you know you're you're a busy gentleman you're doing a lot of things and um uh just juggling everything and we've been wanting to get you on the show for a while and really appreciate that you you came on tonight and like jeff said if we can figure out a, a day um sometime in the middle of the season maybe to break it down mid-season together we'd love to have you back absolutely you guys know where to find me i am happy to jump on with you guys at any point you just let me know yeah well, that'll do it for our show now. Again, we want Kathy and I want to thank Austin Render, the voice of the IU women's basketball team on radio. You can listen to him during the season. And Austin, I guess I should have asked this. Do you host? I, I don't get a chance during the week very often uh, to pull it up, but are you the host of the Terry Morin show? Yes. Yep. We'll be doing that. I believe there's a new location. It has not been confirmed to me yet, so I won't go on, but I do believe we will have a new location for that this year. But yeah, that's every, uh, Wednesday, Monday, Monday at uh, 6.30. So Mondays at 6.30, we'll have that show. It's on the radio and live at a undisclosed location <laughs> that I don't even know. <laughs> and um, for our other listeners, I know Jeff would talk about our Twitter. Um, do you want to tell the listeners where they can – is Twitter the best place to follow you? Or Yeah, that's that's where I typically tweet about all the games, uh, let you know where to find me, where to find the call. Um, it's just my name, Austin Render on Twitter. Uh, apparently, I was the first Austin render to get to Twitter. 
So yeah. uh, I snagged I that one somehow. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, I'm on there. I'm active on Twitter for sure. And uh, I will always have a link out uh, for, for any sort of broadcast. Cause sometimes when men's games are going on at the same time or football or whatever it may be, it can get confusing. So if you ever need a link, I will always have one on the Twitter page. So if you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, the workaholics, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel and that's youtube.com slash assemblycall.com. And also make sure you sign up for our free IU hoops newsletter, email newsletter. There's over 10,000 members on that email newsletter. Now of your fellow IU fans who have subscribed join for free today at join.assemblycall.com. That's join.assemblycall.com. Special thanks to John Ringer of Rig Design for designing the logo. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you soon. For my co-host, Kathy Amos, for our special guest, the voice of IU women's basketball on the radio, Austin Render. I'm Jeff Marlowe. And until we talk, until then, until we talk to you again, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers. <laughs>